Hey, what's going on, everybody? If you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, and all types of shows. Everybody knows about the great deals on upcoming games, how you can get a wide selection. If you're here in Toronto, you're listening, you got shows, you got all the sports, you got hockey, basketball, baseball in the summertime, you got soccer. Again, amazing shows all throughout the city. Uh, but now, GameTime is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. So here's what to do. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store, click on the My Ticket section of the app, create an account, and then under the billing section, redeem code The Athletic. Once again, that's The Athletic, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem the code, and it expires at the end of the year, so December 31st, 2019. So make your moves quickly and score some last-minute deals with the Game Time app and the Athletic. Hey, what's going on? Greetings and good day. My name is Drew Fairservice, and welcome to Birds All Day. This is the Winter Meetings Edition 2019. Uh, and oh, Oh, so much to talk about. Everybody knows the highlight of the winter meetings, the Rule 5 draft, the Rule V draft, if you're more of a... I think it's five. I think it's five. I think, I think it might be five, but, uh, but whatever. But, uh, but you know, there's so many, so much gold, sifting through gold. Uh, but with, with great uh, regret, with great heartache, I think uh, the Blue Jays passed on their Rule 5 opportunity today. Which really, uh, which really tears me, uh, tears me up. It tears me up inside. I mean, it's just like the winter meetings were a total bust because of that. I, but I uh, feel bad for Sestouli. You know, I mean, what is he here for if not the Rule Five? Right, right. All his <laughs> theorems and all his his, uh, his his math is, and they've just spat on it. Uh, that voice you hear is the man who joins me uh, as always. We call him Old Reliable. Uh, his name is Andrew Stoughton. Stoughton, how are you? Uh, I'm well. I get, I mean, I'm. Disappointed I didn't get to say old reliable as usual, but I guess I just did. Uh, but yeah, no, you I'm did, well. and and, I, and and in fact, I lied. I said that we call you old reliable when really you called yourself old reliable. That's the kind of standard pattern. A little tongue in cheek, with. that one. A little tongue in cheek. But the, oh, how the <laughs> tables have turned! Oh, how the tables have turned here. Um, this uh, is this the last one of the year. I don't know if this is the last one of the year, but. Uh, coming up, the la- one of the last two, I can't imagine we're going to do too many more of these before the end of uh, the calendar year, um, With here with the at- Athletic, our first with the Athletic. And yes, the tables have turned and we are uh, hopefully very reliable. And we are very appreciative of everyone who's taken uh, the trip and joined us and have uh, been uh, signed up and are uh, subscribers to the Athletic. Obviously, keep supporting that amazing work. There's doesn't, uh, Not a week goes past when there aren't some wasn't more heartbreaking uh, not heartbreaking, but you know, just dis- disappointing, tough to swallow media news. So uh, we're happy to be here, part of the athletic that is um, still going, still cranking out stuff and 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 getting uh, getting people to oh, do what it's stronger what they, what every they goddamn love. day. Yeah, we're get stronger every day. I, I mean, I'm not huh. going to give you the hard company pitch. That's still the job, but well, not, uh, we're not, proud not, not until you're on the, the on the books proper. Like, yeah, no, absolutely. Well, but yeah, no, things have been great. <laughs> I, I can't. I, again, I gotta. I gotta make them work for that. If that's what's gonna happen. I, spoiler alert. Probably not. I don't. I can't see that happening. But it's been a great year. We're excited. No better uh, way to culminate that year than with the winter meetings this year in San Diego, which made all of the writers incredibly happy. Um, I saw Jay Jaffe talking about they should just do it every year. 
in San Diego. And I wonder f- from whom you would get um, uh, a pushback on that other than some guy that owns a hotel in Nashville or Orlando um, because it's just San Diego's uh, pretty great, pretty great place. Lots of nice beers and fish tacos and nice things to see. It's very expensive, though, Southern California. As uh, our guest producer, Cam, this week was, was explaining to us, he is based in Los Angeles, and uh, it's a pricey place to live. But, you know, uh, there's a famous Ronald Reagan quote that I don't know exactly, but it was like, if the uh, settlers discovered California first, the rest of the country would still be wilderness. And it's, uh, it's diff- if you've ever spent, even just look at, look at pictures of it. You're like, yeah, that's how life is supposed to be led most of the time when there's no earthquakes and heat and all the other stuff but so you're anyway. uh so you're not quite enjoying the second month of winter just yet is what you're telling us well you know i'm a big fall guy love fall i can't get enough fall i'm a i'm a hoodie and jeans at all times if at all possible um i like the dampness so maybe more of like a northern california kind of thing you know i like you, if you, you watch like Giants the games. dampness yeah i love it can't get enough give me the gloom <laughs> um, I think I can't remember. I think it's called Murder Mountain. There's a there's a special on net, not special. It's like a mini series on Netflix about um, this area in Northern California where they grow lots of marijuana, and it was grown illegally for years and years. It's sort of this got this outlaw country vibe, and it's off. They grow it off in these like in the heights of the redwood forest, and uh, it's it's a grim show. It's about all these people who come there to work, kind of illegally picking and rolling and sorting marijuana, and they just a lot of them just disappear. There's a lot of crime, a lot of murder. Um, so it's a very dark show, but the scenery is fantastic. All these, you know, redwood shots of these great towering forests with with fog and mist kind of settling over top, mountains and ocean. Miserable. Looks miserable all the time. Can't get enough. Love it. That's me. Two That's what I need. Two things here. Illegal pick and mm. roll. What are they? John Stockton and Carl Malone? Not uh John not Stockton feeling, sticking his, not feeling Carl that. Malone sticking his stupid legs out all the time. Uh, also, just you talking about the dampness reminded me of uh, the wonderful uh, David Roth piece about the vampires mm. that run the Astros and how he managed to get in Jake Marisnik's uh, wetness as a ball player. He's their wet that. guy. He is absolutely their wet guy. I just like Who's the Blue I had Jays to take, wet guy. Has, have they had one since Colby Rasmus left? Wet, and he no, wasn't wet, even that so, wet, frankly. No, no, he was super wet. Colby Rasmus was sopping <laughs> wet. I would say I'm that maybe like the, I'm thinking about the cornrows. I mean, those were that that limited the wetness. But yeah, they were um, more like a, really, like a they've had like wet they relievers. That dampness in. Well, Jason Grilly was super damp. He was about yeah, as damp as you could hope I think for. That's accurate. Um, we should just have him. Uh, we should have him on, and we can talk about. The wettest Blue Jays of all time. I mean, <laughs> otherwise, we're sending when him we're back. talking about Tanner Rourke. Like, we, I mean, well, okay, we already stole one of his bits, right? With the remember some guys, and now we're stealing the wet guy bit. But you know, whatever. It's, well, that's why uh, we need him on, so that it. That's why we need him as, on, David. Uh, David uh, Roth <laughs> as much of a the, an affront to his uh, his uh, intellectual property. Yeah, I feel like Randall Gritchick is a little on the damp side. He's like clean but damp. You know, he doesn't have like the grimy like Colby Rasmus just is. He is the prototype. Rasmus and, and Jason Grilly, just straight damp wetness. Like they are the wettest dudes you can imagine. Um, Juan I mean, Guzman fr- is like a Hall of Fame wet dude. Absolutely. From back in the uh, day. They did have Clay Buckles last year. So, you know. He is sopping. Just, just, just <laughs> dripping, pouring from every orifice. 
Um, Derek Law, unfortunately, you know, for Derek Law, DFA, he had a almost like he could get, I could see him getting wet. He had, he was a little grimy. There was a little, yeah, like, like Derek, Derek Law. It's again, like that first Andrew WKL. Absolutely right. Yeah. I, I get wet. No. <laughs> <laughs> so Derek Law, uh, obviously a professional athlete, like a high performing athlete throws the baseball 95, 94, 96 miles an hour. Um, <laughs> could just could just kick the shit out of us for talking about his his wetness right his, now, basically. He was definitely the guy whose uniform never looked like it quite fit. Like everything was just sort of like he was a little shambolic. I, I don't know. I, I kind of like that energy every so often. You need that sort of grimy dude. Uh, you need a good Hesher. There's a, that's, that's baseball, bless it, is one of the last bastards. Hockey is too broed up now there's no like hesher hockey players anymore no guys oh, now like, yeah now hockey's got weird yeah good point yeah. no it cleaned up it's boring <laughs> they're all robots they were just like pure robots who've been doing nothing but baseball still has like those those little hesher type guys like surfer dudes um that they pop up and percolate through and they just sort of mitch hanniger not mitch hanniger was it hanniger there's a bunch of mariners that are grimy like that. There's that um, what's his name? <laughs> that Padre. Oh God, Travis Janikowski. He is the the heshy. Like he's wet and also like straight from the beach. Like that. He, that he's that kind of wet. Can't get enough of that. Speaking of the beach, San Diego was the host city of the winter meetings, as we mentioned this this <laughs> week. How's that? Uh, and we decided that we need to talk to somebody who's right there on the ground. So our guest this week is Shai Davidi of Sportsnet. And it was a pleasure. We've already had that discussion, and it's a good one. Uh, Shai's a great guest and a great guy. And uh, I hope that you enjoy it. But we'll get to that ever so ever so briefly. Or do we, why don't we get to that right now? Should we do that now? Well, you already mentioned it, so yeah, might as well. I mean, Might as well do that now. So here is Stoughton and I talking with Shai Davidi. He's talking to us live from San Diego. I believe he's in the airport. Um, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about, uh, you know, what we perceive, perceive and, and what was a very exciting and eventful winter meetings. <laughs> yeah. Except for the Blue Jays. <laughs> all that and so much more on this wettest edition of Birds All Day. All right. As we mentioned earlier, it is now our pleasure to be joined by none other than Blue Jays writer extraordinaire from Sportsnet, Shai Davidi, who's joining us from the exit point of the winter meetings. Shai, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to join us today. My pleasure, guys. Uh, so as we mentioned, you're at the airport leaving San Diego, which are probably among the worst feelings that a human being can experience, knowing that you are leaving San Diego and not soon to return. Yeah, and also leaving on a red-eye flight. So it's a, it's a double L in that regard. But uh, at least it was an interesting winter meetings, and we haven't had one of those in a while. And you know, talking to some people, there a lot of us, we're starting to dread the winter meetings because you go there and just sort of nothing happens, not only from a Blue Jays perspective, because mm-hmm. that's really been the way this past decade, but from a wider league perspective. And instead, it turned out to be a, a really fun few days. So you're referencing, of A, there was lots of exciting stuff and lots of fun stuff to talk about that we will get to. But B, from a Blue Jays perspective, you kind of tweeted an image that, uh, that, you, uh, that you shared that was the Blue Jays kind of la- complete lack of activity over the over the winter meetings the last decade. I mean, not not no activity, but like Troy Tulowitzki 
getting released is is, is something. It's not the <laughs> quickening the pulse. I mean, you got to write about it, but it's not. They've never, you know, they've never been one to win the off season. Even when they are a team that has made some bold moves, it's just not been at the winter meetings. Is this just this is just sort of the way that it's it's worked out, or is this sort of a maybe a bit of a design by some of the folks who have been in charge over the time you've been covering? Well, it was the team? definitely by design during the Alex Anthopoulos years because he hated doing business at the winter meetings, and he always tried to get stuff done either before or after. And you're even seeing that this offseason with the Atlanta Braves, where they've already made a good chunk of moves uh, well ahead of the winter meetings. You know, he always fi- found it uh, a place where there's just too much stuff happening and he didn't like to make decisions in that type of atmosphere. But if you go back to, you know, a decade earlier, you know, the Blue Jays had the great winter meetings in 2005 where they landed A.J. Burnett and traded for Lyle Overbay. Uh, of course, in uh, 1991, they really shook the entire baseball world when they traded Tony Fernandez and Fred Griff or Roberto Alomar and Joe Carter. And that was in the days before Twitter and before leaks. And when they announced it in the in the media room, I'm told I wasn't there at the time. I was like, uh, but there were there were everybody was gasping because uh, they, they were trying to comprehend the magnitude of that deal. So uh, the Blue Jays certainly had their moments at winter meetings, uh, but uh, not not lately. <laughs> it's been a while. And, uh, you know, at least they got something done, you know, I mean, beyond uh, Tanner, getting Tanner Rourke. You know, the I think the last real move of significance, the last addition of significance might be trading, uh, trading for Sergio Santos sending Nestor Molina to the White Sox in 2011. So hold on a second. Are you trying to tell me that the Tanner Rourke signing is not a move of significance? Now, hold on. Now, <laughs> it may not be sexy, but I think it's significant. Significant in no, that it's, it's definitely, definitely something that they needed. But Yeah, it's definitely significant. I would describe it as uh, sort of fixing a leak in a foundation to your house. You know, you put some, some dimple boards outside, you put some new weeping towel on the ground, and all of a sudden, you know, your house is less leaky. And, and that's what Tanner Rourke is for this rotation. And, you know, that him and Chase Anderson, they're a base. And, you know, obviously they're not the same level of pitchers. You, you think about the years leading into the postseason runs when they had 400 innings locked into the rotation in the form of R.A. Dickey and Mark Burley. And yeah, you wanted a little bit more upside and you wanted the stuff to be sexier and, and all that stuff. But those were two stability posts that created all sorts of opportunities uh, for, for them as a, as a rotation, as, as a club trying to acquire players uh, and a little bit of relief for the entire pitching staff. And I think the Blue Jays are hoping to, to a lesser degree that Anderson and Rourke could do the same thing for them. I wonder about... Um... Guys like like Rourke and Anderson, who maybe aren't, uh, they're not Garrett Cole, obviously. They don't throw 98 miles an hour and come and blow you away. But um, maybe a bit of a sub, a big sub subtext and, and story that was sort of running underneath this winter meetings was the news about the baseball and Rob Manfred sort of in some ways shrugging and being like, yeah, you know, acknowledging that there were variations in the ball because of uh, they uh, attributed it to you know, blow drying or like heat drying the balls instead of letting them air dry, which caused them to sink or whatever it was. Do you think it might be, it could end up being a, a smart bet on, on guys like this who are more of like the pitchers, guys who kind of really mix it up and move it around? Maybe these guys could end up kind of um, um, having even a, a little bit more value next year if we're not in the same sort of Super Bowl situation that we saw here in 2019. Potentially. And, and I think the, to, to degrees, the Blue Jays believe that 
there may be some upside if they unlock some things that they really believe that you know if Chase Anderson uses breaking ball a little bit more often that that'll make his his entire repertoire play and you know at the GM meetings last month I had a conversation with David Stearns the the Brewers GM and he said the same thing. He said that he's had the breaking ball at points in the past, and that's when he's been at his best. And if he can regain that, that would really allow him to take a step forward. So I think there's some things the Blue Jays have in mind to try with Chase Anderson. And uh, to a lesser degree, you know, they they might have some stuff for, for Tanner Rourke too. But I think with him, they're more inclined to just let him be and uh, if he wants to try and experiment a little bit, then, you know, they've got some information and some ideas to suggest to him. But they're, they're pretty happy, so I don't think they're there unless that he's driving that. But the ball is, uh, to just going to get on a little tangent here, the ball is really an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Because executives are thinking about that in, in ways uh, related to p- player acquisition. I was talking to, uh, to an executive about Kevin Pillar. And just kind of, I, I kind of said, you know, I get why he's non-tender, but is, is that really the type of player you want a non-tender when you think about some of the other players that he brings, you know, is, is, is he a sort of reflection of how that player gets undervalued or doesn't get rewarded for all they bring to the table? And, and the executive said, if the ball goes back to noise, um, it's like it has in the past then he'd be a 10 to 12, maybe a a 15 homer guy. And all of a sudden, you're a lot less comfortable paying him a substantial salary. And so that's the level of thinking that's going into player transactions and player acquisitions right now as it relates to the ball uh, and Mm -hmm. really creates a a very fascinating dynamic. That is interesting. And it brings to mind a guy who the Blue Jays have been attached to in a little bit, which is Cole Calhoun who I, I like a lot as a player. I feel like he's, he is almost like the, 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 the flip side, like a, a complete opposite of what the guys they have now. A lot of the Derek Fishers and, and, and Teoscar Hernandez's and these, these kind of players with a much higher ceiling. I feel like Cole Calhoun is a player with a high floor. Uh, other than when he's tinkering with his swing and like, which screwed him up for, I don't know, it seemed like a good six months. But uh, I, when I watch him, I see like a really strong defensive outfielder and a guy who, who is a solid hitter. But now he's a guy who's kind of got this, well, he hit 33 home runs. Um, do, what do you think about, about a guy like him? Is that someone the Blue Jays would seriously consider? Again, he sort of runs counter to what they have um, uh, approached uh, with their, uh, with their outfield mix. But uh, there are, I think like he ticks a lot of the boxes. But then again, when you have that sort of thinking in mind, maybe is his value even less than I, you know, as a Cole Calhoun booster, uh, consider it. So full disclosure, it's kind of a running joke on the beat how I kind of have a man crush on Cole Calhoun. Every That's time my guy right there. Are, every, That's my guy. And, Shy, my guy. He knows. He knows. I, I'm telling you, every time the Jays are in Anaheim, we watch them play, and I'm like, they got to get this guy. They got to trade for this guy. Um, I, this is what I know on Cole Calhoun. I think the Jays, the Jays have checked in. I don't think he's a priority for them. Uh, particularly, I think what they're doing with position players and relievers right now is they're just planning the next phase of their offseason. I think they, you know, they're hoping that they end up with Ryu and then that takes care of their rotation to a certain measure. Uh, and then they're going to move on to other stuff. But they really want to have the, the starting pitching piece determined because that impacts how they spend elsewhere. And they, wanted to, they don't want to cut themselves off from a pitching move by spending in other areas. So uh, for them to go out and, and get a Calhoun 
I think that they would probably be looking at moving an outfielder as a way to get some pitching help, mm-hmm. and then Calhoun or whoever else would be how they backfill for the position. Uh, you know, it's a little bit different in center field. I don't think there's an option. I don't think they see an everyday option on the free agent market. But if they can do that via trade, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, I think Jackie Bradley Jr. perhaps intrigues them a little bit. I think Jock Peterson is someone that uh, something that they look at. That's something that they would do because it's an obvious upgrade and it's not just an incremental pickup. Uh, that that they could do independently of other things. But in the corner spots, I, I think that would be more something that happened as a way to backfill because they used a corner outfielder to do something else. Uh, so if, you, I, if I oh, may sorry, interject ahead, uh, brief, mm-hmm. briefly, if I may. Uh, so, Shai, like, uh, you're of the mind that, that they don't view Grichik as a guy who could play center field every day. No, that right now that's not part of their discussion. You know, the, he can certainly go in there and play it for a period of time if they needed to. Uh, but you know, I think if they if they don't make an ad uh, in center field, you know, they, they even if they do, uh, you know, I can see a scenario where, they're running a platoon with uh, you know a left-handed hitter and Teoscar Hernandez, uh, and then mixing in Derek Fisher elsewhere. Uh, but I, I do think that there's a part of them that wants to give both those guys a little bit of a run, to just to just be sure, uh, because they're both like really really talented athletes. You know, Teoscar Hernandez has a ridiculous amount of power. Uh, we've seen it certainly in spurts, and in spurts he's he's looked like a great player. Uh, and obviously, he's got some things to figure out. Derek Fisher has a lot more to figure out uh, in order to get consistently, uh, uh, to be consistently a good performer. Uh, but I, I think the Blue Jays want to see it a little bit more. So unless it's a, a massive and significant upgrade in center field, I can see them giving both those guys more run. And then if that fails, maybe you do grit check until you can backfill in a different way. Mm. So you mentioned uh, Hyunjin Ryu, you, you know, as the one they are maybe putting all all their eggs in one basket. I mean, you have a, a quote in a story that you wrote this week that says, uh, "We need to get better. We need to add. We need to strike." Is is Ryu that guy? Is is do they view him as that guy? Maybe almost a version. Uh, I think Stoughton has maybe made this uh, allusion before, but like they're John Lester with the Cubs. Is this uh, something that they are? Is this the kind of player that they're not going to get beaten to get, or are they still very much like we have our price and we're not going to get pat- too far past it? That's an interesting way to put it. I hadn't thought about it directly in those terms. I don't think that they would go all out, mm-hmm. uh, or all out, and whatever the price is, he's their guy. You know, mm-hmm. they're just not at that point. It doesn't make sense for them uh, to do that. But I do believe they see him as the what's left the most impactful starter on the free agent market. And that's why uh, they're engaged with him a, a bit more aggressively than others. And, you know, I first started hearing that they're int- about their interest in him uh, around the time of the GM meetings. And I was a little skeptical at the time that they'd be in that market. And, and from all the things that I've heard from people outside the organization, it sounds like they're legitimately, legitimately engaged on that front. And, uh, are they ultimately going to get there? Is he, does he want to come to Toronto? Those, those things I'm not certain. Uh, I do know that Sing one really enjoyed his time in the city uh, and has told other Korean players about that. Uh, is that. Does that impact things? Maybe, maybe not. 
but I, I think that's real. I don't think that they're going to, if the bidding gets to a point beyond their comfort level, that they're going to go all out and be that team because it just doesn't make sense for, for them to do that with them. And there is a little bit of volatility, but I, I think if you look at uh, the free agent starters that are still available, uh, he's probably the guy you'd want to bet on uh, just because if, if he's on and he's healthy, I mean, you'd certainly be thrilled to get the past two seasons that he delivered. And uh, well, sorry, sorry, Drew. If no, I go may. ahead. I know I don't usually interject in the interview <laughs> portion, <laughs> but uh, uh, but but I, I think you're absolutely right. But does that speak to the fact that maybe they weren't aggressive enough? Uh, aggressive early enough? Aggressive enough early enough? And I know uh, Shaw, you wrote about uh, uh, a lot of the the guys that they've already missed on this winter, uh, and how the, like sort of uh, maybe a, a switch was flipped somewhere during the winter meetings. Uh, where they think you know, they've, they've, there's not a lot left, I think, for them to uh, uh, to try to make this offseason something that the fans are going to look at and be like, oh, they did well. Uh, is that a regret? Did they misplay their hand a little bit maybe? Or, or what do you think about well, it? Well, okay, so I've written a lot. I, I think the, the, one, the one guy they missed on that you can criticize them a little bit and say that might have been a miscalculation was Jake Odorizzi uh, because they could have gotten him uh, and it was about they didn't feel comfortable with the price and I think they could have maybe gotten to a place where they were a bit more comfortable on it and he would have given them stability would have given them impact and I get that he's you know five and dive or six inning guy by and large I think he, he only had five starts where it was seven innings or beyond last year but it's a stable source of innings that's done it in the American League East uh, with some upside. He's going to come here. He's got a relationship with Charlie Montoyo, the manager, which helps. And if you make that move early in the offseason, it gives you a lot more credibility in the market. And players are looking around, agents are looking around like, oh, these guys aren't just talking. They're, they're legitimately in it. Uh, and then you don't do it, and then – it's just like, uh, same Blue Jays are just kind of in it, but not really in it to win it. So that's the one where I think that you can fault them. Uh, on Kyle Gibson, they were right there. They might have even been a smidge higher than Texas. I don't know that for a fact, but I think it, it, it's that's pretty much where they were financially. And that was, you know, he wanted to go to Texas. He preferred it, and they didn't really have an opportunity to buy it out. Uh, you know, with Moustakis, you know, the Reds just kind of blew everyone else out of the water. Uh, they were the high by far, I'm told, the high bid. So, you know, you, you put those things together. You know, I think they're, you know, I I think the one, I think Odorizzi is the one I come back to. I think with everyone else, you can sort of understand mm-hmm. it. Like, do you want to blow your brains out for, for Kevin Gosman? No. Um, you know, with, with Didi Gregorius, uh, you know, they just didn't have enough shortstop to offer him. Uh, and maybe money was a, might have been a little bit of a factor, but I think the main thing was uh, he's probably not ready to start moving around the diamond just yet. So, so I, I Oda Rizzi is the one I keep coming back to. Um, and I think when push came to shove this week, they adjusted. You know, they were high bid on or higher than the Mets on Porcello. I don't know if they were the highest bid, but they were definitely higher than than the Mets Jesus were on Porcello Christ. and didn't get it done. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's Thank goodness, frankly. Thank <laughs> Bullet dodge. Uh, so it won't take too much more of your time, but but you said, you know, 
that's a, a direct and, and fact-based criticism. Um, we talked about this with, with a few other people who we've had on. Uh, what do you think? Do you think the, ten, the tenor around the team has, has shifted? Do you think that the way that people cover the team, I know that, that there are some folks, you know, kind of the people more like Stone and I than, 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 than yourself who are, who are there every day, uh, that have noted that maybe have taken a bit more of a pointed approach, a bit more pointed in their criticism. Do you think that the that there's a, a, a been a shift in the way the team is covered? Do you think that there's sort of, um, uh, you know, you, you talk about these guys are just, are all talk, they will Blue Jays. Is that sense sort of like bleeding into the way the team is covered? Do, do you, at all these days? And that's, that's an interesting question. And I don't know that I've thought about it and really try to analyze it. I did write a piece in the summer where I thought right after the deadline and you know, I said, I, I said, I thought the discourse around the team needed to change. And it was like, it was, I, I thought we were just, we we're talking about too many things that weren't going to change from the past mm-hmm. and, and harping on it and not really kind of saying, okay, well, you know, like this has happened now. They broke it. They own it. And let's see, let's see if they're going to build a, a better product out of this. Right. Because that's, that's obviously the mandate that they got uh, approval for. And so that's the path that we're on. So um, I really think that it, to a degree, you know, they're going to have to they're going to have to show that they can they can build. You know, it's the, the easy part, in a sense, is behind them. Right. Because, you know, selling off and, you know, re- resetting and laying the groundwork, creating the financial flexibility. That's, uh, you know, it, it's not easy, but that's easier. Now, how, what are you going to do with all that? How are you going to build it back up and make sure that you're developing players properly, you're leveraging assets, you're managing your farm system in the right way, and you're, a, you're adding the pieces that you need along the way because you stripped everything so bare. You know, that's, that's where this, this group is going to be judged on. And they've got a real opportunity. And, you know, I've talked to this, uh, I've talked about this with uh, a number of people and I've been pointed in some of those conversations. But, I mean, we've seen this movie before where, you know, the the Blue Jays had had that group with Delgado and Sean Green and Alex Gonzalez. And they were followed by Escobar and Carpenter and later Halliday. And and that, that group was never sufficiently augmented. And then there was the the retooling under J.P. Ricciardi and they had an opportunity there and, you know, the base was insufficient. And so when they made the ads and they got Burnett and Ryan and Gloss and, and those guys, you know, there, there just wasn't enough beyond them. And, you know, that 2016 still won 87 games, uh, but it wasn't enough to get mm-hmm. past, uh, past the Yankees at the time. Um, and then eventually, you know, there was the, the reset under Alex and they, they finally got to the playoffs, but they had to add aggressively uh, in order to get there. So, you know, if you there's a real opportunity here, this might be one of the best bases this, this team has had since since maybe the early 80s to build off with built out of the expansion era from from Pat Gillick. And I think the judgment lies on what you do from here. And, you know, I think those is a number of us who felt that there was an opportunity for them to make some ads this offseason. And it didn't have to be Garrett Cole. I think this is the it's premature to add Garrett Cole in a sense because you're not ready to compete and it's too hard to get him here. He's looking, it's like, why am I going to sign there to, to just finish fourth in the division right now? Right. The, the rest of the team isn't there. So, but you could add the ancillary pieces around him uh, to make, 
you know, the 2020 Garrett Cole or whoever, uh, that's when it becomes more appealing to them. And that's when you can really make a significant jump. And I think that's why there's been a lot of criticism and, you know, a lot of the stuff that, you know, that, that I wrote about was based on what I was hearing from, from agents and rival clubs. They're, it's, they're, they're not moving. They're, they're, you know, they're sort of in it. They're not earlier, the middle of this week, you know, decision was made like, all right, we, we got to get after this. You know, the, we can't stay in our valuations. The market's changed. We got to make some moves. Uh, and they did. And it, it got them work. It nearly got them Porcello. And we'll see where it lands them with Ryu. Awesome. All right. Well, if they do, if and when those moves do come, there's nobody who's uh, going to be more plugged in and have that hot news and, and awesome perspective than you, Shai Davidi. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it means a lot. Well, thanks a lot for having me, guys. It's always great, great chatting with you guys, and I enjoy all the stuff that both of you do as well. So uh, hopefully we'll, ha- we'll all have better times to write about in the near future. <laughs> well, thank you so Absolutely. much. And i got to say, though, uh, uh, after the BBWAA uh, chapter meeting in Toronto, there was a picture that was shared, and you, you had a very serious beard. And then you're on TV <laughs> at the winter meetings, and it's gone. Uh, don't do that to us next time. <laughs> bring the beard. Bring the beard to the winter meetings. The kid cleans Show, up like, nice, let, right? Let the world know. No, sorry. I, I said the the kid cleans up nice. Uh, no, that 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 beard wasn't. Uh, it was uh, a little bit of fun, just uh, off season relaxation, not worrying about uh, trimming for a little bit. But uh, I, I think that it was time to time to get uh, to get cleaned up and look a, a little more professional. Listen, that's the only, you're putting that on yourself. I'm telling you, you just let it go and, and, and life is good. You're just, again, with, as the Blue Jays are in this sort of like, like uh, a state of flux, it's okay if you reflect that. This is your workplace. This is your, this is your life. So just, just let it all hang out next time. Right. We appreciate it, though. Again, Shy, thanks so much. Take care, fellas. All right, of course, I want to say big thanks to Shai Davidi for taking the time for joining us on Birds All Day. Of course, this is the version that you're hearing that's outside of the athletic ecosystem. If you're on Spotify, if you're on Apple Podcasts, if you're anywhere the great podcasts are found, this is what you're hearing. If you want to hear the full episode, you want to hear Stoughton and I break down what happened across the winter meetings. You want to hear us talk about uh, Hyunjin Ryu. You want to hear us talk about the Tanner Roark signing uh, in the way that you know, you've come accustomed to us talking about things like that. You want to hear us talk about Garrett Cole and the Yankees' unstoppable killing machine. You want to hear us make fun of the Rays. There's only one way to get to do it. You got to go to theathletic.com slash birds all day. Sign up, become a full-fledged subscriber to The Athletic, and you can get the full episode of Birds All Day. Uh, can't recommend it enough. Amazing stories, amazing uh, everything from across the entire sporting landscape. You want to read about the Raptors. You want to read about the Leafs for some reason. You want to read about college football. You want to read about West Ham United. You could do that all within the athletic ecosystem. So I cannot recommend that enough. But most importantly for this, for our purposes, if you want to hear the full episode of Birds All Day and the full episode of every full episode of Birds All Day, head over to theathletic.com slash birds all day and sign up. But if you haven't, that's awesome. We hope you enjoyed our chat with our, our chat with Shy. I know I did. I assume Stoughton did as well. Thank you for taking the time. We'll talk to you next time on Birds All Day. I'll sit here.